Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Uh, my name is Michael Bath. Um, Steve is going to join me shortly. Steve is my mate from Sydney, Australia. You guys know him already. Uh, he's going to be joining by Zoom. We always do these these podcasts by Zoom because I'm uh, in London at the moment and Steve's in Sydney, as I just said. Uh, about to travel back to Bahrain, actually, back to Bahrain uh, in about a week's time. So I'll be doing the podcast again from sunny Bahrain in the coming weeks. Um, I don't think I talk too much before I get Steve on Zoom. So let me just uh, get sorted out here. We'll connect with Steve and we'll start talking uh, all things Porsche. Okay, welcome back, everyone. I'm a bit flat today. Sorry, I've been I've been in and out of feeling. Steve's here. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How you That was a quick intro, wasn't it? You didn't expect that one. No, I was um, expecting. I was looking at the the grey background behind you again. London's weather's a bit overcast. Yeah, I'm just checking if I'm recording because I'm a bit forgetful. <laughs> I am recording. Yeah, it's a it's a dismal day today. I woke up this morning. The um the rain is you know we're up on the 17th floor or whatever it is, and and the rain is just mm. pelting against the bedroom window. Um, it's terrible, okay. and it's been such great weather. It's been literally like clear and and freezing, but. But no rain. Yep. But the rain has started again. The one thing I don't mm, like it's about the flip London of Sydney is it? Yeah. Sydney was raining constantly for quite a while. I didn't go for a drive for more than two weeks. You know, when your um, your remote doesn't work and you have to stick the key in the um, yeah. the door lock. Did that happen to you? Um, yeah, yeah. I hadn't driven the car. I guess that's what more than two weeks. Wow. Um, just and that was purely because it was um, just raining, and I don't like to drive out in the rain. Yep. It's gone sunny again, so. Well, that's good. So no drives, no no drives through Sydney, yeah. Nah. Nothing to speak of. I don't know. I keep looking at Instagram and keep seeing all these people look like they're enjoying their cars. It just makes me feel more depressed. It's just a facade, mate. You know that. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, I think. It is actually. Yeah. I mean... Instagram the is highly the culture on social media. <laughs> and yeah, which is what everyone says. It's all curated, isn't it? It's not really real. Yeah. A lot of it's not real. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird that it's funny. This morning, I saw something, and I've been, I've been saying that. I've been thinking about this, and I've been saying it to Tasha actually. That you know, mm. all these people have gone to Dubai. Like everyone's going to the UAE to Dubai for Why? you know to get out of the UK. Well, summer, you know, like okay. they go away yep. for the yep. winter, and you can go to Dubai. And Dubai has just been put on the hit list for the UK that you have to quarantine when you come back for 12 or 14 days. Um, right. Probably because the cases in Dubai are like out of, quite high. Um, they it? tend okay. to sort of hide it very well in the UAE, but it, they are quite high. Yeah. Right. So that was, um, that's going to be a bit of a f- problem for all those influencers coming back to the UK and then they have to like quarantine. What are they going to do? They can't take photos. I'll take photos in their house. Photoshop, mate. <laughs> yeah, Photoshop. True, true. All right. What's happening this week? This week, not much has been going on, actually. It's been very, very quiet. Very quiet for me. Um, mm. I've been feeling a little bit under the weather here and there a few last few days, so I'm actually feeling better today. What did I say? What did we talk about last week? The Singer. The GT3. The oh, yes. sorry. I'm losing my train of thought. The GT3 episode mm. last week about your servicing costs, Steve. Um, people really liked that episode. Um, it's had... It's been one of our most popular episodes, actually. Um, I'm not sure if that's the title or if it was the substance of it, but it seems to be one of our most popular episodes. Um, I think that's headlines. I think that's what Which it wasn't is, though. This time. No, it wasn't really. I think that's what it is. You know, like I know when I'm, you know, when you're thinking about buying a Porsche or you're thinking about, you know, your next one, like the GT3. It's interesting oh. to hear, you know, the owner's perspective, and you know, especially a long-term owner like you. And having owned the 997 GT3 for so long now, like seven years, coming on seven years, it yep. is a good insight. You know, it's a, an insight that you can't necessarily just get on forums because you've got to sift through all the rubbish to get to the point. Um, and that's mm, why I thought it was, yep. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was good. It did make me remember, uh, ponder, remember a while ago, we did talk about it in one of the early podcasts where I joined you. Um about when you posted something on YouTube and one of your followers um, from Melbourne, he had the white GT3. Was he the architect guy? Or there was another guy yeah, who basically yeah. said that his ownership experience is more like, 50, was it 15K a year or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Nick, I think Nick, Nicholas Nick from Melbourne. Um, yeah. I, I was still surprised at that kind of number. Um, 
but maybe that's again i think i said this last time as well was is that because he trucked his car or something i don't know i guess completely different ends of the spectrum i guess i guess it is because you know if you track your car i guess the cost will go up but i guess if you were doing you know using it as a daily and you were driving it a lot i guess your cost would go up as well a little bit right a little bit not to 15k uh, not to 15k a year though true true well, it's it's think, interesting, yeah. actually, and I can't remember the the, the guy's name, uh, and he's maybe listening to the podcast, so sorry for not remembering your name. But someone reached out to me a while back who's got a 996, um, and I want to get them on owner stories. I haven't done it yet because, as you know, I'm still catching up. But yeah. they have a 996. He's has a 996 that he's owned since new. Okay, cool. So I think that conversation, and I haven't mentioned it to the, to the gentleman, but I think that conversation mm. will be a good one because – you know, having uh, having one since new, you know, the change in the in the cost of ownership, yeah. the change from when you first bought it, you know, I know it's under warranty and whatever, but then the change going up, like, you know, the cost that you spend on servicing, the cost on maintenance, the cost on just keeping the car. Um, I think that yep. will be quite an interesting conversation, especially because it is a 996 mm. and a lot of people, and we're sort yep. of not talking about the 996 today, but we're talking about 997, but we will get into a little bit about the 996, 997 debate, so to speak, and the tipping point for prices. Um, yep. But I think that would be an interesting maintenance story, you know, owner's story, because just to see how those costs have changed and his perception of the car has changed mm. from the beginning when he first picked it up new to today. Yeah. I'm definitely kind of curious because it's not one of those cases where you sort of search for a used 996 that's kind of been uh, well looked after and had all the kind of potential issues fixed. So then um, you kind of had to live with it right from the very beginning and possibly endure endure some of those issues. Yeah, Yeah, true, true. All right, let's let's just get on to the usual stuff. Uh, ratings and reviews, um, please, please, guys, if you can if you can go to Apple uh, when you're listening to the podcast, if you listen to it on Apple. I know a lot of people listen to, listen to the podcast, Steve, on um, Spotify. Um, we've had a really yep. huge influx of people on Spotify. I think we have 220 or 230 followers on Spotify podcasts for the podcast. Okay. So uh, I think it's yep. actually more than Apple. So it seems a lot of people listen to, listen to the podcast on Spotify, obviously, because that's cross-platform. Oh, is, I, is Apple podcast cross-platform? I don't even know. I think most people that listen to Apple Podcasts are on iPhone or Macs, right? So, um, but I know a lot of people listen to it on, um, on on Spotify. If you listen to it on Spotify, please follow us. It helps. Um, and there's also a lot of people that listen to it on Stitcher. I'm not 100% how Stitcher works. I have it. I don't really look at it that much. But it seems like yeah. that's a popular um, platform for people to use. Yeah, so a lot of people listen to it on Stitcher. I'm not sure if you can follow on Stitcher. I'm sure you can if you give us a follow on that. But with Apple, um, like I said, to get found in the search results for Apple, um, just give us a rating or a review. A star rating's fine. That's easy. If you haven't got time to write a review, it's no problem. Just give us a star rating. It helps us uh, be seen by other people that want Porsches, who want to look at, uh, hear about Porsches, want to hear the podcast. Um, the Patreon, Steve, no new members this week. Um, I think last week I said we had 19 members. We actually have um, 16 members. I don't know where I got 19, a bit dyslexic. But we have um, 16 members on Patreon. No new members. I did have a question from Sean, though, and I'm just going to do it. And I don't have an answer for this, but maybe someone who's listening to the podcast has one or knows someone that has one and can just reach out, send me a DM, and I can, you know, I can g- give Sean the answer. But Sean wanted to know if, if we knew anyone that had the new Cayman uh, 718 GT4 because um, he doesn't have a 911 yet. He doesn't have a Porsche. Uh, he's looking mm. for one in Japan. Um, he thinks it's a bit more user-friendly to have the GT4, uh, not as harsh as a GT3. I'm not sure because I haven't – I'm not sure that much mm. about the GT4. Um, but the performance – Yeah, but the performance side of it, he's keen on the performance. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about if it's not as harsh. Is uh, It depends on yeah. what spec you get, right? I have, I mean, I'm not speaking from experience because I've not driven one, never been in one. Um, I know Granted Auto House has a GT, the original generation GT4, which I know he's kind of super happy with. Um, But um, I'd hazard speculating though, like I can't imagine that it's any softer or harder than a GT3. It's still still sort of more... um, on the sportier, harder side of things, but I can't imagine it would be. I can't imagine a GT3 would be that hard, or and that a GT4 would be 
that much more comfortable or softer kind of thing. I think it'd be very close to a GT3. Yeah, In, I, I, I think it'd be very close. Equally usable, right? Yeah, and I think the newer ones even more so probably than the previous generation. I don't know why, but I think it'll be very close. I think it's a great car. I think yeah. the GT4 is great. Um, yeah. We're both a fan. Steve and I are both a fan of that new Spider, the new the new Spider, which has yeah, got yeah, the 4.0 yeah. liter. Um, both a fan of that. Um, and then also yeah. the GTS, the GTS with the four liter. You know what I mean? The 4.0 GTS as well yeah. is is still yeah, a good car. And yeah, the the 718 GTS. Um, so there, yeah. there's there's plenty to choose from there in differing prices. Um, he said that in Okinawa though, it's a bit of a problem because it's humid there. It's very humid and it's a small island and there's a lot of salt and humidity. Right. Um, that would scare me with a car. Like all the salt in the air, I guess, would be a problem. But I guess it's. I guess it's not much different than living in a beachside area in Australia, right? If you live in close to the beach yeah. or whatever, you always have to be sort of have that in have that in your mind. Vigilant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When when we yeah. first moved to the central coast in in Australia, I remember even with my father with his Holdens and stuff, you know, the, the locally made car, like he was worried about the the salt the seawater because coming from the country and then living next yeah. to the coast, you know, yeah. he always thought it was going to be a problem that your car would rust. So mm. I don't know. Don't know, I don't know, but um, it's a good, good conundrum to have if you're kind of thinking about a seven one eight GT GT four. Well, I was going to say, as your first Porsche, yes, please. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, please. Cool. Yeah, yeah it's a great first Porsche. Um, I yep. would, I would definitely say yes to that one. All right, yep. um, but anyway, if anyone has any experience with that, reach out to me, and I'll, I'll pass it on to Sean. Let's help other owners out and other potential owners out to get their to get their dream Porsche. Porsche cooled owner stories, uh, another good one. And like I said, I recorded these before Christmas. A lot of these owner stories, I did like a whole stretch of them, Steve, as you know. Um, and that mm-hmm. was Ryan. Ryan from Chicago. Ryan's a nice guy. He lives in Chicago. I love Chicago. It's a nice city. Um, you can follow him. You should follow him on Instagram. He's set up now an Instagram just for his car. He didn't have one before which is at 996CHI, at 996CHI. It's in the description of the podcast if you can't remember that, um, but check out Ryan's Instagram, give him a follow, and tell him that you heard his story on Owner Stories. Um, That would be great. But he used to live in Detroit, Steve. Uh, He lived, he was brought up in Detroit, so him and his father and I think his uncle, they used to always go to the, or his father and him, they'd always visit the um, American International Auto Show, the North American Mm -hmm. International Auto Show every year. So his mm-hmm. passion kind of started there, you know, um, and then his father-in-law. Is Detroit still Motor City? It's not. Yeah, it was Motor City. Sort of... Yeah, yeah. Mo- well, that's what I mean. When it was Motor City, I think that's when he was living but there. I don't know. Is it now? I'm it's not sure. Of... I'm not sure. Yeah. But he found a good example. Uh, he has him and his wife have a Macan like you. They bought the Macan first before they bought the 911. So mm-hmm. once he was in the Macan, then he knew he wanted a 911. But you know, Ryan wanted the 996. He wanted it for various reasons. He's got a 996 Cabriolet. You know, and like I said, you buy the Porsche that you want, you buy the Porsche you can afford. Sometimes they cross over, you get the one you want at the price that you are happy to pay, uh, which is always fantastic. Yep. Um, he wants to get a GT3, a 996 GT3. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Uh, yep. And he said he'll keep the Cabriolet when he gets a 996 GT3. But I think he's looking, you know, in the next year or so, he hopes to get a GT3 and he wants to keep both. So, you know. Yeah, cool. I mean, he's passionate. Uh, he's loving the car. His car came fitted with, I can't remember the name, sorry, Ryan. It came fitted with, a, I think it might be Fab Speed actually, with a Fab Speed exhaust. Um, mm-hmm. He wants to get the engine, oh, man, I should know this, I'm really sorry. You know the carbon fiber engine thing that you were going to get on your GT3? You can get it for a 996. Oh, the um, air intake. Yeah, you can get it for a 996. Uh, 996 road mm-hmm. trip guy, the guy that has the tent on his... Um, Brock, the guy that has the tent on his roof, the guy that was <laughs> first started doing it. Now everyone's copying him. Right. Um, he has yeah. that on his 996, apparently on his Career 4S. Um, right. So Ryan was keen to do that, but I'm not going to give away too much. Give away too much more. Listen to it. Porsche Good Owner Stories this week. Like I said, Ryan from Chicago. It's a good one. Owner Stories. I think that's number. Must be number 16. I think it was number 16. So we've done 16 Owner Stories now, Steve. So it's it's getting up yeah, there. Right. That airbox thing is interesting. Like um. I know, like I've looked at it a couple of times on GT3s, but um, it feels like um, the consensus on forums is don't do it. This is specifically GT97, GT3. Oh, really? Um, that, yeah, it just doesn't, like there's no performance gain and 
if you don't oil your filter properly and all that sort of stuff, in fact, it um, it can cause issues. So oh, okay. everybody kind of pretty much says stick with the, um, the factory kind of paper filters and don't bother changing your airbox out. But didn't you see a car for sale once? You ha- there was a nine nine seven GT three for sale, and yeah, you wanted to you wanted to buy the part off the guy. You actually said, "Can you yeah, sell me yeah. that part?" Because he couldn't sell the GT three. Remember, it was up for sale for ages, and you said, oh, "I've asked him if he can sell the part to me." Uh, I was just curious about like what he thought about the part. It was a group Group M part, which is um, some carbon bits. I think they're made in Japan, um, and I was just kind of curious as to whether or not. Um, he sort of, uh, if it was worth it, same same question. Um, but it turned out that he bought the car with that on there, so he had no no idea whether or not it what it was like without it, basically. It just looks super cool. That's all the carbon when you open the engine. It's bloody expensive. It's like looks cool though. Almost three grand for that stupid bit, and if it, if there's no performance gain, um, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it. It's like the thing with air filters, isn't it? People that you, I mean, do you have the standard air filter in your car? Like they change the yep. air, you change the air filter. Does it make a difference? Some people say it does. Mm. Some people say it doesn't. But that's exactly know. what I was trying to say. Like um, in this instance, on a nine nine seven GT three, it sounds like the answer to that is generally no, and there's a possible um, bad side to it. But right. that might be different for a nine nine six or a standard nine nine seven Carrera kind of thing. Um, during the week, Steve, a 912 came up. Did I send it to you? I can't remember if I sent it to you or not at Beverly Hills Car Club. I'm still looking uh, at prices. Yeah, a 912 came up at Beverly Hills Car Club. It was white. I know you did see it. You said walk away from it or don't don't get involved in it. It was too much. Oh, the cheap one. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, cheap, okay. cheap, relatively cheap. It's 32,500 US dollars. Um, it had a, yep. had a hit in the left on the driver's side door. It looked like it had a ding in the driver's side door and the mirror was pushed in. The engine looked clean. The car itself looked reasonably clean, actually. It looked like in... The thing like what you said in the description, it said that it was um, running motor. I don't know what running motor means in an ad. Running motor means you uh, can't drive it. It wasn't it just, running. It was... Uh, what was the term? I thought you said running. It wasn't running. running. It was like turning or... Turning motor. Something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, the... which you can actually what you just you, it'll start, but you can't drive the thing. I mean, it said it came out of long term storage, so it looked the engine itself though looked in pretty good condition. I sent it to I sent it to Nick actually, who was on Owner Stories last week, who mm-hmm. had the similar car, the '68 white one, and he thought mm-hmm. it was quite a good one. I think he said. I mean, for the points that I thought too, the reasons why I thought it was quite a good one. One, it's matching numbers, not that important, not super important. Uh, original paint, yep. and they do the paint meter thing where they show you its original paint. Yep, um, saw that. Inside was a mess. It needed a lot of work on the inside, you know, and the wheels. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on how much it was, how long it was in storage for. I mean, rust-wise, it didn't look that bad. The under under bay, the um, floors looked okay and everything like that. It didn't look so bad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, 32 and a half is a pretty good price compared to prices in the UK. Like I said, last week's episode, I'm a bit distressed by the prices in the UK. So it kind of makes me want to give up hope a little bit because they're just too, I think it's just getting too expensive for the, for the, you know, the quality of them. Um, yeah, right. But obviously there are still bargains in the US and it's just about searching and, and trying to find them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So last week we were talking about that singer that seemed to be everyone's point of um, conversation. Some people had, you know, more of a, direct link to singer and could chat to them about it but we don't we're just a small podcast here (laughs) so we just ramble on about ourselves but people do have contacts we don't the singer broke the internet steve that safari um you know like i said we keep talking about whether porsche are going to bring out a safari 911 i'd say they probably will but you know if you want one of those cars if you want a singer i'll eventually get to the point here if you want a singer if you want a gunther works if you want a rod emery you know 356 outlaw you can't mm. just go and buy one. And this is the problem. You know, you think when you have, you know, all of a sudden you have $10 million in your bank account, you know, you, you sell all your crypto or you sell your real estate and you make all this money. And you think, <laughs> okay, I'm going to go and buy a singer, Steve. It's like, well, you, you right. can't just go and buy a singer, right? Because you have to wait like everyone else that's waiting to get a singer, all these other millionaires that want a singer. But you can yep. actually um, you can actually get Sorry, one. because man. I've got a screaming kid in the background and a singing neighbor as well. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Um, so you can actually, RM Sotheby's, I sent you the link before, I don't know whether you looked at it. They've yep. got a 1989 Porsche 911, reimagined by Singer. Um, it's pretty nice. It's cool. In grey, 
I think it's grey, yep. was it? It was grey, wasn't it? Uh, grey. Yes, yes, yes. Tobacco yes. leather interior, four-litre air-cooled flat six. Um, so it's in Giza grey, is it? Geyser. Geyser? Geyser grey. Geyser yep. grey. Bahama yellow brake calipers, uh, which look really good behind the Fuchs. It was commissioned by a Canadian businessman, I think I read, um, yeah. in 2016. And it was completed the year later. Like it, take, it took a year to make this car as well. So when you actually get on the waiting list and they say, yeah, we can make the car for you, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. how many years are you going to wait before you can actually enjoy it? I guess you could save the money. You could say, you know, you just start with no <laughs> money and just, just try to get the money within that period, Steve. Yeah. But what was interesting, I thought, it's for sale for 925000 925000 But it said, you know, it's obviously it's a 964. Uh, typical for Singer. It's based on a 964 yep. Um, yep. and it's manual transmission, etc. Porsche Flat 6. Apparently, it's one of the early cars, isn't it? Yeah, and apparently the engine cost alone was an 88000 What was it? The four-litre power plant has been built by Ed Pink Racing Engines of in California at a cost of $88,000. Olin suspension yep. system, which is another cost upgrade, big brakes... Yep. And it says the build sheet indicates the cost, and this was interesting, I thought, the chassis amounted to 752000 So 752000 US is, is what it cost. Mm. Um, Did and they ever sell- release those sorts of kind of numbers and costs? I'd imagine that Singer sort of keep all that sort of stuff close to their chest because it's the first time I've ever kind of had any understanding of like, you know, like if you kind of add that cool kind of um, fuel filler cap thing, you know, on the centre bonnet and all of a sudden that's like 11 grand. Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't realise um, that was I the... I had no understanding of the cost of, um, no. you know, like and all the options and stuff. I didn't realise that was an option. I thought that was just standard on singers that you get that fuel tank. But, yeah, you've got to pay, like Steve said, you've got to pay 11,000 yeah. US dollars to have that fuel tank yeah. in the centre. And, I mean, it's cool, right? But $11,000... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what I thought was interesting, though, I always thought singers were around five hundred thousand US because I think that's what I've always read, and it seems like they are it? around five hundred thousand US. But that's base. <laughs> that's their base yeah, cost. Okay. Because it said this one was seven fifty two, and two hundred and fifty seven thousand US dollars of that seven fifty two were extra cost mechanical and cosmetic options that they added that yep. the owner who yep. commissioned it added to the car. Um, and the car's that's only- the whole point, though. Yeah. If you're going to commission a singer, then you're going to um, you're going to customize the hell out of it and make it, you know, your own. It's pretty much, you know, like your your kind of Porsche wet dream. Yeah, and I think that's that's the way to do it. You know what I mean? Like you said, you would you mm. would go all the way. So seven hundred fifty-two thousand. Um, it was done in 2017, 2016, 2017. It was completed, and the car's only been driven five hundred miles since twenty seventeen. Yeah. So who's ever bought it is not really driving it. And um, now it's for sale. So you could actually, if you have 925,000 US dollars plus the, I think it's a for sale Sotheby's ad. I don't think it's a um, auction one. So I'm not sure how the fees work, but you could actually yeah. get one and have one tomorrow. You could be driving it tomorrow. So it's, um, the spec of it's nice. I mean, I like the kind of color and the interior and um, like all the kind of bits that are red. But I mean, how many singers are not sort of particularly yeah. nice? Uh, yeah, it's a not very that many that don't look that good. Yeah, the listeners can just go just go to Sotheby's uh, rmsotheby's.com and it, you just do a search for singer it'll come up. But it's, you know, it's got a nice stance to it. It's one of my favorite colors. It has the orange script on the side, it has the orange calipers, um, you know, in that gray, the original Porsche color, um, 4 liter. Mm. I mean, it's it's a it's a beautiful car. It, no doubt it's a beautiful yeah. car. Um, 925,000. I think you won't lose money on it. I don't think you'd ever lose money it, on a singer. Just do it. Yeah. So anyone who's got that amount just of money listening to the podcast, go and buy it. Go to RMC Sotheby's and buy it. I wish. You do. Wish. Just drop drop this whole 912 facade and then just go straight to the singer. Yeah. Based on a 964. I was wondering about that, you know. Is that the reason why 964 values jumped up over 993? Because singer used the 964? I never thought about that before, and I'm wondering if that so. all comes into the equation. I thought it was the most kind of accessible, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was the case. But it was interesting. I, I can't remember where I heard the kind of conversation, but um, there was a part of the kind of enthusiast group out there that were lamenting the fact that um, because Singer were taking nine six fours as their base and basically reimagining it that like all these 964s were being lost 
effectively. I think um, people have that same argument with um, Rod Emery, don't they, with the 356 as well. Is it? Because he yeah, puts, okay. you know, he changes the body panels, he changes basically all the panels and re... I think in the beginning that's what people thought and now it's yeah. it's changed, you know what I mean? It has actually changed. Right. But I guess it's the same as taking a nice, you know, perfect 1989, you know, Carrera G50 and changing it into a Lee Keen Safari car. Safari, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it just depends on the numbers in terms of what, how many of them um, were kind of made. But I don't even know what those numbers were. I'm guessing they were quite high in the US. 964s or? Yeah, 964s, Carrera, mm, so, 80s Carreras. 90s was sort of like, early 90s was pretty much the time where they thought that um, Porsche was in trouble and could potentially kind of go under. Oh, um, that's right, that's right. So before, 993 before. was the thing that sort of kept them afloat. Before so the SUVs in, came in. Yeah, so tech, theor, sorry, theoretically, um, I don't think there would be like a ton of 964s. Yeah, yeah, probably right, probably right. Mm-hmm. So in the owner's story, Steve, a lot of people, I mean, it's quite, you know, if you look through the last 16 owner stories, there's quite a lot of people who mm-hmm. have 996s. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously because of the price of the 996s. Not so many people have the 997. Not so many of the owner's stories have the 997. Obviously, there were a couple, um, but not, not so many. Connor had the 9, 997 Cabriolet, 0.2 Cabriolet. There were, there were a couple in there, but not, not as many as the 996. Obviously, 996s is because of the price at the moment and because of the, I guess, I guess it's pro- probably because of the price, right? But let's, let's come back to that. I'm getting off track here, Steve. I'm losing my train of thought. Um, right. Let's come back to the 997, actually, because Steve and I were talking about this the other day um, before last week's episode. And... I know we've kind of probably touched on it before, Steve. Have we? What about what? Mm, not what we don't think so. But. I guess it's not the. It's not like I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not like what we hate and what we don't hate about the 997, but it kind of is, right? So, <laughs> well, I'm trying to put this in a way. I don't want to do it like the five things we hate and love about the 997 because it's not that. Um, no, I, I guess don't think when it's like that. No, I guess it's when just, you're looking when you're looking for a 997. And you're thinking, yes. about, let's let's forget about the mechanical things, right? We know, you know, we know that whatever version you buy, you know, it's a great car. It doesn't matter if it's a point one or a point two. Obviously, the point ones in nine nine sevens have, you know, the IMS thing, you know, which you shouldn't yep. get too hung up on. Um, you know, yep. there's the IMS bearing failure, which can happen. Yeah, it can be costly. Uh, if you bought a car over two thousand and six, like mine, it's got the larger bearing, which can't be replaced. Can't have the LN engineering. Um, retrofit thing that 996s mm-hmm. have um you can only do that on the first 997 the 04 to 05 model 997 the very first which came out in 04 997 06s they changed it and then i think 07 they changed it again i think there was two mm-hmm. changes in the in the bearing size right and then you've got the boring the bore scoring thing which happens in in 997s Apparently, it happens mm-hmm. in the 3.8S more than it happens in the 3.6. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other one which always comes up, which I oh, I don't know much about, Steve, is the coil packs, which apparently is in an expensive fix. You know, the coil pack side of it, the misfiring engine, um, mm-hmm. something about the being exposed to high temperatures and the coil packs fail or something like that, I think it was, from memory. Isn't that... Is that just sort of like a standard kind of thing, though? Isn't that sort of just like a wear and tear kind of thing? I, I can't remember. I think maybe that happened to my 903. Yeah, I think it says... It'll be a uh, much older car. But. I, I did write something down about that. It's apparently when it's exposed to high temperatures in their location next to the exhaust, the coil packs. Yep. And apparently they you know, they have to be fixed during the 997's life and they're just a maintenance item and they're not that, apparently yep. they're not that expensive to fix. Yep. But, you know, they're mechanical things. You know, they're the mechanical things that when you're buying a 997, you know, you don't, you know, it comes into mind. But when it comes to the non-mechanical side... Um, just you know, some, and sort of like the day-to-day things that you kind of live with that might niggle at you as you kind of go along yeah, in your ownership experience. Yeah, those day-to-day things. And I, I guess when you're first starting to look at them, when you're first starting to think, do I want a 997, they might, you might look at them and go, oh, do I really want one? I really hate that. I really hate this. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess it's, you know, the things you, what do we call it? You know, the things we don't like, you know, what's not to like about the 997, what's I guess. But, like? you know, yep. yeah. So. Yeah, I've got a few. What Maybe are they, Steve? Can... Tell me. Save me. I can rattle off. <laughs> um, okay, so keeping in mind, I drive a GT3, but I reckon it's probably probably Steve's rich. <laughs> uh, not as rich as Michael. Um, 
I think it's probably standard kind of thing across all 997s. Um, like I'll roll with when it comes to the interior, there's a couple of little things. Um, I personally can't stand the kind of vol volcano grey trim. There's this sort of thing in Gen 1s where they did this sort of weird thing where they started mixing and matching, like there's kind of silver pieces and then there's kind of grey bits that go with the black plastic and most 997s, I guess, have um, black leather and um, vinyl kind of trim all over the place. So I have no idea what's with that kind of volcano grey thing. Um, if I had my way, I would basically um, eliminate it from the interior, but which you, you could do, you could kind of take all, all those bits and either have them retrimmed or sprayed black. But I think, but I think all my pieces, a, my pieces are all volcano grey. I don't think there's any silver. I know that the any S silver bits. No, because the 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 base Carrera, I can't. I don't think there is. I could be wrong. But the base Carrera had the volcano grey, and then the Carrera S had the oh, silver. The Carrera S actually had silver, which is actually slightly nicer. What about your, like, so, you know, your steering wheel, the kind of horn buttons? Oh, yeah, they're on silver. On the three spokes? Yeah, they're so probably th silver. Just, the door handles are kind of silver. Really, yeah, it's weird little oddities like that. It's like, why do they not just sort of kind of go one way or the other? Why did they yeah. kind of pick two? I think that they should have just kept it. I don't think they should have made the S. You know, the silver and the S makes more sense where the silver trim, where it is not the grey, it is more yeah. silver. I think that makes sense. They should have just had that in the Carrera as well. You know what I mean? But then the yeah. silver's a little bit odd too in the Carrera S, because it doesn't match the PCM unit. <laughs> yeah. One, and because so of the PCM's Volcano Grey. I think they kind of started to eliminate it in the Gen 2 997, where there was more like the kind of centre console didn't have Volcano Grey and it was black, which... And look, I'm nitpicking, but I prefer, um, you know, just sort of one kind of colour. I actually started a little bit of a crusade where I started to try to get rid of some of those bits and I put carbon things in there. But um, you, you don't want to be chasing that for real. But you've eradicated pretty much all of that Volcano Grey, right? Because even the GT3 has it, uh, you know. This is the weird thing, though, yeah, because yeah. this is, hang on, this is really strange and I haven't thought about this before. So the Carrera yeah. S has silver trim. Because when you look on the yeah. Sun Coast and parts, it's silver trim. But then the yes. GT3 had volcano grey trim. No, I think it was. I, oh, I don't know the oh, absolute ins and outs of it. There's there's mixed bits of it here and there. Like same what you just sort of said about the door handles. Um, my yeah. original door handles were silver as well. Um, but then the center console was kind of grey. Some of the steering wheel trim is kind of volcano grey. I mean, um, I like the silver door handles on the 997 on the Porsche. I like the silver door handles. I think they, I know you changed yours to carbon, but I actually don't, I, I quite like them. They have a nice feel to them. They feel very Audi-ish though. I mean, they're very Volkswagen group, you know, those It's handles. funny you say that. Yeah, they're very, I, it, it reminds me of the suggest, Audi. It's one of the points that reminds me of the Audi, that the door handles. I was going to suggest that maybe that kind of mix and match of silver gray and all that sort of stuff, it's a very Audi kind of um, aesthetic. Um, I, I reckon from um, sort of early 2000 Audi kind of cars. But when the 997 came out, and, yeah. you know, we always talk about the PCM unit, how ugly it is, and, you know, you've got to push the, all the numbers on there for the telephone and whatever. Was it cool yeah. when it came out? See, I can't remember. Was it? No did people idea. look at it and go, wow, that's really modern and really cool, and it's just dated. It's going to be like all these new could cars be. with screens. They're just going to date very quickly. Yeah, it could be. You, you could be dead right. I guess in its time it may have been sort of sort of relatively technological and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think the yeah. main problem is it looks a little bit cheap. Um, and I think it, it's, it is about the colour, but it, you know, and I don't want to compare it to Audi, but, you know, Audi interiors are, you know, the leader in my mind. The Audi interiors still are very, very well done. I mean, obviously Porsche's got a lot mm. better. 911s are a lot better now. The new generation, even the 991 generation are much better. But in yep. the 997, it was still suffering a bit from that, you know, from that. I mean, yeah, it's better than the 996, in, you know, and I'm not having I've got got, exactly that. Yeah, I've got exactly that on my kind of list of things. Like I still would maintain that um, a 996 interior, the kind of quality of the plastics and everything is not particularly great. And 997 definitely improved on that. But um, I would argue that it's still not brilliant kind of thing. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know you've got you. You said the plastics aren't great. I don't have a. I don't think the the dash in plastic is that bad. Um, it's not as padded as other cars when they have plastic dashes. It's it's like a lot harder. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I think yep. my Audi was a lot softer. The plastic on the dash, like it actually had quite a lot of sponginess to it if you pushed it. Yep. Yep. I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just different. Um, a yep. PCM is the thing that's going to stand out in most people's eyes, and most people change it, like you, Steve, to an aftermarket system. You can go yep. to a, 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 you know, your local leather guy, or you, you can go to Exclusive Option, and they do do the leather. You know, you can get yep. it all co- covered in black leather. Obviously, people with a 997.2 don't have that problem because the 9972 was black, um, which looked much better. The black um, PCM unit. Eventually, once Porsche 997s get classic status, as we've said before, you'll get the PCCM Plus unit, I'm guessing, for the, for the 997. It would be interesting when dollars. they... Yeah. yeah, but it'll be interesting when they do that because it'll have to be black, right? It would be black. Yeah, and if they... You're right. So if they do that, then as you kind of go down your sort of centre console, it's not going to line up. Because yeah, this is what I mean. It may not kind of grow underneath it. Yeah. So what are yeah. they going to do? They're going to do it in black. They're going to do it in grey. It's a tricky one because it might look a bit. It may not look great. Yeah. True. True. Very mm. true. What else, mate? Um, I reckon. Yeah. So I put PCM is kind of rubbish. Um, very debatable kind of thing. I've obviously chosen to switch mine out. Um, but as you sort of say, like it may not have been rubbish for its time, but I think in this day and age, like. Um, it sort of holds for all cars that most kind of um, head units and sort of centre system thingies are just not very good, like 20 years on or almost 20 years on. Yeah. Um, I would add to that that I think from what I know of the general sound system quality is pretty shite, Um, inclusive of the kind of upgraded Sound Plus and Bose systems. to my ears, when I've kind of ever heard it, you've got Bose in yours, don't you? Yeah, I've got Bose. You've got Bose? I've got, um, I had the Plus, which was one tiny step up. And no offense to you, but I reckon they don't sound, they sound pretty shit um, for that kind of ilk of car. You know, I, I'm going to seem a little bit silly here. I don't mm. really know because I haven't really Sorry. used it properly. Um, yeah. It's weird in the 911, I hardly ever have the music on. When yeah. I had the Audi, I'd have music on all the time. Maybe I'm just getting old. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just don't have the music on. I really don't really want to listen to that much stuff in the car. Um, maybe even when I drive up to the... <laughs> when I drive up to the coast, when I do a two-hour drive or whatever, an hour and a half drive, I will listen to mm. music for a bit and then I'll turn it off. But I don't listen to it that much. I don't think, and I'm going to, you know, this is, this is going to get really annoying, but you have to compare it. My Audi had the Bose system. I upgraded yes. it because I ordered that car from new and the, it had yeah. the Bose system. And I thought that was a pretty good system. You know, it sounded pretty damn good. Yeah, I had Bose in my S3. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Like now you can seriously hear my neighbors talking yeah, about Steve's, sound quality. Steve's got this neighbor that's actually singing in the background, which would be really annoying. And I, I, really I couldn't bad. help myself, but I'd go out there and tell him to shut up. Uh, I'm close. Um, it's really bad. I'm very sorry. I'm, I, hopefully you can edit some of it out. But um, No, I'll leave it in. Can't. I can't edit it out. I'll just leave it in. Just so the listeners know what that noise is. It's actually Steve's neighbour singing in their apartment. At the top of his voice. He's yeah. turned his music up and then he stands on his balcony and belts it out like he's sort of on Australian Idol or is something like that. Is he a bit crazy, like is he? But he must be crazy. No, he's not. He's just got no self-awareness. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. <laughs> I doubt obviously it. Doesn't, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the sound system, Steve reckons it's not that great. Um, I yep. don't know if it's that great or not because I don't really listen to it that much. But I think, you know, comparing it, I'll use my benchmark as the Audi one because it's similar, you know, same group. Um, yep. I think the Audi one was much better. Um, yeah. So, but I so don't that's think what it's, I mean too. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's terrible, terrible. I don't know what the 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 entry level one would sound like. Um I found when I have my back seats down, obviously, when the seats are down and you can see those Bose uh, speakers or woofers or whatever they are in the back. I don't yep. even know what they are that have yep. the Bose logo on them. Um, it sounds, I think it does sound better when they're down. Yeah, the woofers. Uh, yeah. With the woofers, I think it does sound better when they're down. Um, but that's I'm just... comparing it to sort of like a similar vintage, like 
my mum's C63 or, you know, some of my uncle's cars or like my 1M, they're all their standard kind of sound systems actually kind of sounded better. I know you could argue in a GT3 it doesn't really matter because they're in loud cars, but I'd say, you know, arguably if you wanted to kind of go for a long drive in your car, um, you know, like the sound system should be kind of reasonable for the money that you pay. Yeah, and in saying that, I think if I, you know, if I did buy a 911 new, I would spec the slightly better sound system. I don't know why I just... Hmm. It's something that I think I would always tick. Because you can afford it. Yeah, Because you can probably. afford it. If you can but afford I, it. And yeah, it's I would, like I would always tick it. You know, I'd always tick that as, a, as, a, as an option because, I don't know, just maybe you'll never use it, but just the fact that you've got something that, that should sound better. Um, yep. You know. What else, mate? Agree. Um, I don't think you've got this option on your car. Um, I do. TPMS is very temperamental. Um, or can be, sorry, can be kind of temperamental. Mine's kind of functioning perfectly fine right now, but it can be a little bit um, sort of dodgy, twitchy, whatever. I think it, uh, I've talked about it before. I find it quite a useful thing to have in the car, but um, it isn't always necessarily consistent. Yeah, I wish I had it actually because um, mm. I like checking things. You know, I like, I like stats and I like data, so I like looking at things. So, you yeah. know, the more things I can have like that so it makes me feel, you know, gives me peace of mind is better. And especially with tyre pressure, it's always – I remember when I first bought the 911, I was always worried about two things. I was worried about tyre pressure and oil pressure and oil temperature. And I don't know why. I think it was – Maybe that came from you. I don't know. Maybe it came from things I was reading that, you know, you had to always make sure you, you know, the oil was up to temperature, you know, you got the oil gauge in your 911, you know, and then the oil pressure. Not all cars cars give you, I think it's not a specific 911 trait, but most cars don't give you oil pressure. They'll give you temperature or engine temperature, not even oil not oil pressure yeah exactly so you've got this extra gauge so it's always one of those things i mean that was one thing that i was always like you know looking at and then the air pressure of the of the wheels i was always checking my you know air pressure to make sure my air pressure was right every time i'd go for a drive i'd double i'd check the air pressure with the silver thing that came with my car that you know the porsche air pressure checker whatever it is the manual one which worked reasonably okay um then i bought the cars are pretty sensitive to correct uh correct pressures as well so like it's not a bad trait to kind of want to make sure that um you're you're running the the pressures that you want yeah and i mean i guess that's why i wish you know i think that's a good option like i said if you're buying a new 911 and that was an option i think that comes standard now with tire pressure monitoring don't they i think it's like a standard standard feature um i would definitely offer that i mean i wish i had that i have to say i do wish i had that that's one of the options i wish my car had even though, like you said, it is temperamental. And like you said, we still don't really know how it works with summer and winter tyres. We did ask this question and no one sort of answered oh, us. Yeah. No one sort of knew. But you were yeah. having that issue when you wanted to have two sets of wheels, which is the same yeah. as having winter and summer tyres. So I guess when you do your winter tyres, you don't have the TPMS working. Yes. And that's sort of what I kind of arrived at and why um, in an ideal world, TPMS could be better in a 997. Maybe it's just because it's like an old system. I have no idea. But... It's not super. It's not super great, kind of thing. Not as good as it could be. Yep. And what about uh, what's the next one? The, the scraping. And this is more. This is more for the this GT3, is though, isn't it? This is one of the things yeah. that you know. Um, yes. In reality, when you drive a GT3, that stupid front black spoiler plastic lip thing scrapes like crazy. Um, in Sydney. I don't know if it's anything to do with the profile of the standard kind of driveway and speed humps and everything, but you, you do scrape like crazy and you kind of just have to learn to live with it. Interestingly, my mate who just bought his GT3, he reached out to me today to ask me about it. Um, he sort of said, oh, you know, like my front spoiler lips kind of getting scraped up, you know, do I just kind of replace it? And I sort of said to him, well, yeah, go and replace it. But I think you'll soon discover that, you basically can't avoid this kind of scraping and my tip or hack for him was like um you just kind of constantly spray it with black plasti dip spray paint to make it look a little bit more reasonable um yeah it's a common it's a common thing with gt3 owners isn't it especially 997 where it, you, you even look at them and you can see they're always scraped up you look at cars yeah. on the street gt3s are always scraped up and you can and you, know, you notice sale ads you know people say i've replaced the plaque uh, the black plastic lip which is you know and, you know, I've it's, been out with Steve. We've been out, Steve and I've been out driving and Steve's like, 
you know, it's going too fast on the Royal National Park and then you hit and then you stop for a bit and you realise you're... That day when your um, black lip was hanging oh. off, remember? But it broke something, yeah, yeah. didn't it? It breaks the clips as well. You have to be careful it doesn't break the yeah. clips underneath. It's it's a bit disconcerting. Like, you know, like they consider it a consumable. It's, I think, about 300 bucks these days to kind of just, you know, pull it out. It, it's got a couple of screws in it. You can just pull, peel, uh, pull it out because it's kind of clipped in and it's uh, very easy to replace. But... It's just not like a enjoyable experience to kind of constantly scrape um, yeah. the front lip of your car. And this is the thing, I guess, how many times are you going to replace that lip and how many times, you know, $300 a pop, which is probably going up every 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 month, every year, um, hmm. do you just go and get a lift kit like you like what you did, Steve? You got the oh. aftermarket lift kit added and the 997.1 didn't come with a lift kit. It was only the 997.2, which apparently was problematic. Um, yep. So, you know, do you do that? I mean, how much was your lift kit? Do you remember? I think it wound up being, oh, I looked it up. It was 300, th- sorry, 3,000 euros. So when I, back in those days, the conversion was about a bit less than four, 4K Aussie. See, that's a lot. Plus 1,200 <laughs> to install it. That's a lot. You, you spent a lot on that, huh? That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I was about to sort of try to recall, like, how many spoiler lips would I have gone through in a yeah, year, like I reckon maybe half a dozen. 3,000 euro is about 4,000 odd Aussie, right? 4,200 yes. or something like that. Three, another 30% on top, 30 or 40% depending on exchange rate. So say yep. it's 4,000 Aussie. So you're looking at 5,500 odd Australian dollars um, yes. to get the lift kit. It's yep. a big investment. And when you buy that new, when it's spec new, the lift kit on a Porsche today on a 911, wouldn't be that much i think it is oh is it yeah i think it is i think it is nearing in australia i think if you add the lift kit i think it's about four grand as a factory option four or five grand sanity it's it's sort of why it's on my list because i just it's you you your brain starts to kind of understand that it's just part of the ownership experience to kind of constantly scrape and i'm talking living in sydney i don't know what it's like in other cities but um it just kind of, it does actually start to kind of wear thin because you just, I don't know, it doesn't matter how careful you are, how slow you drive, how many angles you try to find to kind of approach a driveway or a speed hump or whatever. Um, it just sort of becomes a little bit grating on your, on your brain. It's like that, you know, running your fingernails down a, a blackboard type sort of It's just thing. that noise. I mean, I scrape my car, yeah. you know what I mean? When, when I come out of the garage yeah. uh, at home, you know, I, you, know, you know the angle you've got to come out of that garage, that driveway. Yeah. All the driveways yeah. in Sydney, everything is on really sharp angles. I don't know what it is, but everything, like Steve said, I don't know whether this is like this in Europe or the US, but everything is on sharp mm. angles. You know, there's no consideration for any car that's lower. I mean, everything is, you know, built for high cars that are high at the front. You have to go out yeah. on a weird angle, but it's that scraping sound that you just think, oh, what have I done? Is it is it worse than what it sounds, you know? Um, yeah. Most of the times it isn't that bad. I mean, sure, you scrape like a mine, the paint underneath gets scraped. I've got a few little scrapes underneath mine. I guess you can get yep. that resprayed. It's not a big deal. I'm going to have to get mine resprayed since someone bashed into me. But, um, yep. you know, they're all the things you've got to think about it. It's kind of... It, I don't know. Is it is it particular to the 997? You know, what's not to like about the 997? Is that... Is that something that's going to turn you off the purchase? Is that something that's going to upset you once you pick up your car? Like, is your mate, is he, is he thinking, oh, you know, sh- shouldn't my, do um, this? Yeah, just funny little litmus test kind of thing. I'm curious to see how he, how he kind of goes about it. Um, I could take a more of a guess because um, I'm not that close. He's a mate, but I take a wild guess that when you eventually get your um, GT3 that you're going to feel very similarly to me because I know your tolerance for that type of thing will be as low as mine kind of thing. So Maybe um, maybe what you should do is you should get him to get the K, K&W, KW um, ones that you were looking at with the built-in lift and everything and then yeah. you can see what they feel like and then you can, he can do the <laughs> test mule. The test mule. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see like if it starts to kind of wear thin for him as well because it did for me after a couple no, of years. No, say that to him. 15 grand you can get K&W, KW, whatever they're called and you can like fix it up. KWs. Yeah. yeah. He can fix it up 15K. Yeah, try it out and see. <laughs> see what happens. Um, um, I think the other point you have is about the build quality, right? I mean, I don't know. Is this, is this in particular to 997s or just water-cooled, early water-cooled generation, 996 and 997? 
yes. So the answer to that is yes. Um, my little thing that I kind of put on what's maybe not as nice to like about a 997 was um, coming from coming from air-cooled cars that sort of really built like a tank, very solid kind of metal airtight feel um, disappeared. So when you kind of feel the swing of the door and when you kind of close it, etc., it has it became more like a normal kind of car, far more like a, a Japanese car or a BMW or a Merc or anything like that, whereas in the past there weren't that many cars that kind of sound and feel like um, an air-cooled 911 in terms of that feeling of solidity. Um, look, it's nitpicking. It'd be, it would be awesome if it still had that feel, um, and it's, I'm not saying that it's bad, um, but if, if I could kind of get that feeling back... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't experienced it as much as you because you had the air-cooled yeah. cars, but I did say this to you, and I think I've mentioned it before again on the podcast, that when mm. Orderhouse Hamilton gave me a lift to the train station after I dropped my car from service, I got a lift in a 993, um, Tiptronic actually, 993 yep. Carrera. And yep. as soon as I got in, the two things I noticed was one, the sound of the door closing, actually three things. Yep. Sound of the door closing compared to the 997 was... it was just different yeah i felt like i sat lower in the car it felt like i was even closer to the ground than the 997 which i mm, thought was a bit weird yep. uh yep. and the smell the smell the smell yep. of the leather and the smell of the car and the noise actually the noise was slightly louder it felt louder inside the cabin i don't th i think this is a pretty standard 993 i don't think it had much work maybe yeah, it yeah. had a fister exhaust on it or something i don't know um but it seemed yep. louder in the cabin like there was less sound deadening um, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, my, you know, the main hate, and I've mentioned this before as well, I keep saying that, but the climate control buttons, like I think you had on your list too, Steve, the, the, you know, the, I, I, I didn't have that problem because my car is slightly later than yours. Um, I put that on the list on your behalf. <laughs> yeah. So any 997, you know, one of the things, you know, you don't like about the 997 are those buttons that the Boxster had the same problem. Uh, the Boxster was the same buttons, so it had exactly the same problem. As Steve said, Audi's it changed. Audi's had the same problem, didn't they? Huh? No. Audi's of that vintage had the same problem, nope. didn't they? I'm My sure Audi. they did. The Mine same. didn't. I had an 04. I had nothing rubbed off. Uh, except oh, the okay. driver's side door where my um, window controls were, the black yeah. came off that because of fingernails, I think, and that was worn down. But the other buttons, okay. nothing nothing wore down. I mean, people have the sticky volume control buttons on the on the PCM. That's another thing you yep. can hate about it, you know, that you've got to change those buttons. They're a cheap fix. The climate yeah. control buttons are hot and cold and not such a cheap fix because Porsche doesn't sell that, just the button part. Aftermarket people fix them up or you can do what I did and replace the whole air conditioning unit. But that's a real thing, mm. you know, when you first get into it. And like I said, I don't know what it was, why I didn't notice that in, in my car before I bought it, Steve. Like I really didn't notice it. And it was the day when Tasha and I picked it up and I sat in there and it was yeah. like, that just distressed me so much. Like I just hated it. <laughs> like yep. we were driving, you know, and I was trying not to let it destroy the experience, but I hated it, especially because it was filled in with black, black marker, which a lot of people were doing. Um, yes. So that's why when I got home, I just literally ordered that air conditioning unit straight away. I just bought it that day. Yep. Same day I bought the car, I bought the air conditioning unit from some coast and get it shipped um, because it hate, I hated it. I hated it. Yep. Um, so I think that's a really annoying thing. Um, what else? Headlights. Oh, yeah, I agree. I've got the standard headlights, so I know what you mean. They're, they're very dim. They don't illuminate much at all. And I'm, I came from Xenons. Um, from by my previous car had Xenons. So. Mm -hmm. I've got Xenons, so I, again, I wrote that on the list on your behalf because I know um, your headlights aren't great. So non-Xenon headlights in a 997 just don't light up the road. I know you can change the bulbs out and stuff like that, which will kind of improve it but it's still not quite up to scratch really. yeah and i have those bulbs in sydney and when i get back to sydney in the middle of the year i will actually change mine out to the bulbs i bought um which are the hmm. slightly higher higher illumination bulbs whatever they were i can't remember what they were i bought them from they were recommended yep. anyway so i bought those but yeah things yep. to hate climate control buttons definitely that's a really big that's that's a thing that's going to annoy you um non-xenon headlights it's going to annoy you if you drive at night the lights aren't very strong they're very dim um, they're yellow, they feel yellow, they're not clear, which is really annoying. 
Um, for a yeah. car that's like 2005, 2006, the lights feel yellow. I don't know why they're so yellow, but they do. Um, the, the, the illumination. So that's, that's a bit of an annoying thing. I don't know. Another mm-hmm. thing that I, I think, you know, what's not to like about the 997, maybe this is just every, every car that has them, but frameless windows, frameless doors. Oh, you don't like it? Yeah. Okay. I like it. No, I love it. I love how it looks. But oh, every okay. time anyone yep. comes into the car that hasn't been in the car before, they always want to like pull the door by the, by the, by the glass, but not by the handle. I notice people do that. Mm. They pull it by the glass. Mate, you just hang out with heathens. And then you get fingerprints all over your glass and everything. Um, but I like, that, I, you know, I love... That, for, huh? People that ride with me know that you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to kind of eat in my car. You're not allowed to smile in my car. What about fingernails? Is... Okay, this is a this is a thing. You know, talking about cosmetic <laughs> things. Fingernails with girls with fingernails when they open your door handles and you get all the scratches. They do you have like the Do you have the PPF it. inside the door handle so you don't scratch I your don't. paint? Nobody gets in my car. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to drive in it. It's too. It's too hardcore. It's too loud. <laughs> it's too loud. It's too fast. Steve drives too yeah. fast. People get scared. <laughs> Hardly. Um, I don't know. I don't, uh, the other thing I really don't like, uh, what's not like about the 997, but I think this is just, you know, mm. I guess the 996 would be the same, is the plastic inner door sills. I don't know why they're so dodgy. You know what I mean? They always mark up so badly. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they that's what they... They seem to mark up really badly, hey? Like whenever you look at the classified ads, you, that's one of my sure sort of signs of telling whether or not somebody looks after their car, um, how scuffed those things are, like, yeah. It looks like they're just not designed to take the beating, but I mean, they shouldn't take a beating if you're kind of careful. But like on, a normal person tends to whatever kind of catch their feet on the um, on those inner door sills. Yeah, and look, I'm very careful when I get in my car, and I know Tasha is too. But I, you know, sometimes you just you'll you'll hit it. You know what I mean? You'll hit it, and yep. it and it's and it's and the soles of your shoes will scratch it really, really easily. But since Steve yep. told me that, Steve told me that like when I was looking for cars and I was looking at them, and every car I see now that has scuffed door sills or scuffed inner door sills, I think it's not yeah. well looked after <laughs> because you yeah. put that idea into my head. But it's a common wear point. I mean, they're not so easy to change the outer door sill. The inner door sill is um, it just screws out, but the outer door sill you've got to take the glue off, as we know, and you've got to you know take it out. Yep. I don't know. I guess it's there for a purpose, though. I guess we're nitpicking because it is there for a purpose. It's there so you don't scratch the paint on the door sill. But then if you keep scratching the plastic door sill, it looks messy when you open the car. Maybe that should go in under the what's not to like about your passengers um, as opposed to what's not to like about your 997. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as your seat, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's the same as the bolster on your seat. You've got to be really careful. Yeah, that you don't grab your hand on the bolster when you get into the car, that people don't grab the hand on the bolster, that you actually like just put your ass in and then move your legs yeah. in. But a lot of people want to just it, grab the seat. People drag, drag their fat asses across the kind of bolster and yeah. put all those wrinkles and stuff like that. I mean, we've been very fussy, you know, we've been very fussy. Anything else, mate? Nothing wrong with that, mate. No, that's it. That's it. It's I just actually, wanna... So when you, when you look at it, it's actually not, a particularly extensive list, but they're the kind of things that kind of can niggle away a little bit once you once you start to kind of live with it over a few years. You kind of go, well, it would have been better if they did this or that or whatever else. So. Yeah. So these are these are surfaces. They're design things, and like I said, we're we're not talking about the mechanical things that you know. This is just purely sort of, well, some are, I guess some are mechanical, but it's purely the things that you know that could make you hate the nine nine seven. But they're kind of minor. They're not that big a deal. Oh, they're pretty minor. They're yeah, pretty minor. Yeah. They can be overlooked. You can fix them. You know, you can replace all the plastic with carbon like Steve's done. You can fix up. <laughs> if your car doesn't have leather, as we know, you can add more leather parts, which we've all done, which we are doing, um, which is exciting when you bought it by a car that you can actually get all these parts. The 911, the whole ecosystem of Porsche, the whole parts thing, there's so many parts you can get. Porsche are doing even more parts now, Steve, for all the classics, you know, the 993s and the 964s and even earlier, like, yep. you know, they're just... You know, I think you can get, you know, you, even on early 911s and 912s, you can get from Porsche the, you know, the indicator glass and, you know, you can buy everything yep. now. The parts are all readily available. It's not like, oh, you've got a 60s 911 and you can't get the parts anymore. Porsche Classic are making all the parts again. Um, it's so, smart. They can make money from it. And they can make money from it because it's, you know, it's yeah. a trend. It's a trend to have a classic car and it's a trend to have a Porsche, I guess, in a way. But I just want to go back to that point, actually, because this, we were talking about this before yep. we started recording. And I always wonder because 
A lot of people, like I said on the podcast, have 996s, and a lot of people have bought them. Yeah, but they bought them because the price was right, but they've also bought them because they want a 996. You know what I mean? The people yep. want a 996. Now, I'm just wondering, you know, from when is – things that go through my mind is when is that tipping point, you know, between where 996 prices and 997 prices are about the same? I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that when that happened with the 964 and 993, but are I we going to have a similar situation where the – 964 993 prices and those of you who are listening are not sure what I'm talking about is that the 993 was kind of more sought after the 964 wasn't as sought after 964 was obviously yeah, was older the, 964 was literally the ugly duckling and like for me that's the first um, 911 I bought it was because I could afford it it was if I had a choice I would have gone from 993 to 964 and then at some point in time that kind of flipped on its head and I was so surprised <laughs> Exactly, um, and but is I'd that be what equally surprised if it flips for nine nine sixes and nine nine sevens? Well, it's a similar scenario, isn't it? And you know, I'm mm. not going to say that people are just buying nine nine sixes because of price, because like I said, people buy them no, because no. they like them. But the nine nine six, it is very attractive for a first person, someone who's getting into Porsche who wants a nine eleven, which is like what happened with you with the nine six four. You know what I mean? And the nine nine seven, we compare it to the nine nine three, in a way. Yep. Is it going to is is the nine nine six going to eventually be higher than the nine nine seven? It's exactly the same attitude that I had with the um, nine nine three versus nine six four debate. Um, I would be very surprised. I'd eat my hat, but then I think I'd be eating my hat because it happened with the nine six four and nine nine three. I, I don't understand how it happened, but it did. I know it's it's possible, isn't it? It's possible because for yeah, so yeah, many years, yeah, everyone's saying, oh, the 997 is better than the 996, the 997 is better than the 996. But the fact that the 996 is lower in price and more people are buying them, more people are appreciating them, prices are going up. So there is, there is the possibility that the 996 could in years to come, in years to come, yep. and this is classic Porsche market and Porsche market in general, you never know what's going to happen, could actually outshine mm. um, the 997. Yep, absolutely could. Um, I will still find it weird, but I have, and I have no idea how to sort of justify it. And that's that's not me slagging nine nine sixes. It's just that I clearly have a strong stronger preference for nine nine sevens. Yeah, but um, I could be in the massive minority at some point in time. No, I have. You know, like I said, I have nothing against nine nine sixes. I was looking at nine nine sixes in the beginning. I think as a you know as a you know, if you wanted to buy another 911 now to have a 911, it's good value. Obviously, the prices in US and the UK are much, much better than the prices in Australia. Um, Australian prices, as we know, Steve, are getting up there. There's some 996s for mid, you know, 65,000. You know, bearing in mind when I bought my car, I think there was some high mileage 997s for around 70,000 when I bought my car. I mean, my car was, you know, 88,000. Um, yeah. But I think... It was advertised. My car was advertised at ninety five thousand, and I paid eighty eight thousand. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's nine nine seven prices. I think are slightly on the rise. I think you've noticed that with GT threes as well. And I think nine nine seven GT threes are. I think nine nine seven Carrera S's are on the rise more than base Carreras. I noticed the Carrera S price, and I said this to you earlier, that they yeah. seem to be in around the 110, 115,000 mark in Australia for higher kilometre uh, examples. So I know mm-hmm. that is higher because it was sub 100 before. It was like, you know, yep. 95 yep. maybe, and now maybe they're 115. Yep. So that's gone up. Base Carreras don't come up a lot. They're very, it's very few base Carreras and manuals seem to come up for sale, which I don't know whether that's a, maybe that's a good thing that there's not so many on the market. People are keeping them. People aren't selling them. It's good for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think... You know, I don't think the 997 is going to go down in value. It just, the point is like with the 993 and the 964, like we said, is the, is the 996 going to overtake the 997? Um, yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball. I have no idea. Um, it, it's a very kind of interesting thing. I mean, I noticed, um, sorry, I'm going to skew your kind of topic a, a tiny bit, but I've noticed um, 997 GT3 prices have overtaken 991.1 gt3s as well so like when you think about it um, yeah true that's the point actually a gen one is about what 220 230 a good one and a gen two is obviously 
kind of reasonable amount higher than that, maybe sort of high 200s and up. And like I've noticed 991.1 GT3s have now kind of gotten to, I'm guessing you could probably kind of buy a reasonable one at about 230. Yeah, but I think it's the in, it's because of the 10-year thing, isn't it? And this is what yeah. I'm not 100% sure about. If it came out in 2013, 2013 14. or 2014? 14. 14, 14. So 10-year is 2024. Yeah. Maybe that's what's pushing the price down. Yeah, maybe. It's just interesting I, kind of thing, like if you're in that market because, um, you know, do you kind of go, well, naturally the newer car is the better you know, as we've sort of discussed before, it'll be a, an improved car overall in terms of it will, will be quicker, it will be, you know, grippier, blah, 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 blah. But um, does that necessarily mean that's the one? If you were shopping for a GT3 and you had um, 230 to spend, yeah, which yeah. way would you go? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I think the yeah. thing with the 996, 997, though, that I find it is that I think that the 997 prices have bottomed out. I don't think they're going to go down anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They obviously didn't yep. drop as low as a 996 did. 996 prices went, you know, way down. Yep. Um, and now they're coming back up again? And now they're coming back up again. Do you know what I mean? So 997 prices, I don't think, are going to fall. But are they going to hold steady and the 996 is going to match them? This is the tricky bit with pricing. You never know what's going to happen. Um, there is yeah. a strong demand. Like I said, there is a strong demand for the 996. People love the 996. Um, people like a lot of things about it. We've seen the prices of yeah. Carrera 4S's in 996's go up to in Australia, like close to 100,000 for low mileage ex- examples. And not that long yeah. ago, they were only 60. You know what I mean? And now they're 90, 95. Yeah. So, you know, anything can happen in Porsche. That's why you have to, we keep saying, if you want a 911, buy the one you can afford. Don't wait. Buy it now. Um, you know, I'm the longer you wait. The water's warm. Yeah, the longer <laughs> you wait, the more it's going to cost you. True, Steve? Yeah, yeah, and like I don't think there's a bad option in there. Again, like it's not a matter of slagging 996s or anything. It's just more that um, they're both. I think you'd both be either way. You'd be kind of um, a happy camper, a very happy owner. Yeah, um, it's not like any other car, you know. Just get just get one, just get one or the other, whatever you can get. get, Just just get in there, basically. Just get in there. All right, mate. Let's leave it. What's not to like about a 997? Not much. It's pretty. uh, It's it's a pretty great car. We like it. Yep. We love it. And like I said, 996, you could do the same thing to it. There's a few little things that are probably going to turn you off. You're going to go, oh, I really hate that. But in the in the scheme of things, it's not really going to stop you buying one. You know, it really isn't. It really isn't. Yeah, I don't think so. I agree. I think there's there's things that if some of that stuff niggles away at you, like Michael Lara did, you kind of just um, spend some money and kind of fix it. Um, but on the whole, none of it really is a deal breaker kind of thing. Yep, and that's the fun of ownership, making it yours, making, you know, adding those things to it, you know, changing out the PCM if you prefer an aftermarket, adding leather bits, adding carbon bits like Steve, or doing it all like Steve did, you know, just changing everything. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now driving an Aston Martin. (laughs) Um, All right. That's it, mate. Let's finish it. Let's finish it for today. Um, All right. Have a good day, Steve. Have a good week. Yeah, you too. Take care. Um, Good luck tomorrow. Yeah, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. Um, my name is Michael, as you know. That's about it. Until next time, uh, bye for now. Bye.